You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that am. So I found out that I have um, one real gift when it comes to podcasting, and that is projecting people getting fired. I know prior to Mike McCarthy going bye-bye, at some point, and I tried to go back and find it, but I don't have a lot of time, so I'm trying to skip ahead. Um, I'm guessing it was prior to the Cardinals game, not after, because I listened to the after and I didn't really hear it. It was just a lot of, a lot of not happiness. But it's in there somewhere, I don't know. But yesterday, as you may remember... My final take before the end of the show was that the Dean Lowry signing isn't so much a negative for Montrevious Adams in my mind, it's more of a negative for Mike Daniels. Now, that's about as far as my brag can go, because the fact of the matter is pretty much everybody knew Mike Daniels was not in the long-term plans, and nobody knew, including me, that he would be let go today. And you may have noticed that I tried to release a little... uh, little mini podcast yesterday but it, it didn't work I gotta figure out how to make that work because I I really want to get that going I think that could be kind of a cool thing especially during the season for breaking news to be able to kind of just step away for a minute record something on my phone and upload it but it just didn't work the, the file didn't take for whatever reason and uh, it was one second of a annoying screeching sound so I apologize for that but there's so many factors that go into this um, and is you know <sighs> I'm I'm trying not to speculate too much, but at the same time, I kind of need to speculate. Happy Thursday, by the way. This is not how I expected this podcast to start. The, the very first day of the season, which is what I'm calling it, Green Bay Packers doing some live action. We're going to be getting live updates. Boom, boom, boom. Aaron Rodgers, corner of the end zone. Touchdown, Kumaro. Right? We're supposed to be getting all jacked up. I am not supposed to be sitting here talking about, oh, man, Mike Daniels is gone. But anyways... As I started processing it, it just started to make more and more sense. If you recall, how many times during this last season did I say, where is Mike Daniels? And I don't mean after he was injured, because we know where he is. He was hurt and not playing on the team. But there were two separate times when I kind of said, where is Mike Daniels? The most prevalent is when I was talking about the, um, you know, the, the chippy, chirpy kind of Mike Daniels, like, he's always popping off at the mouth, he's always, like, super hyped up and vocal, and I wasn't hearing anything, and I kept talking about needing a vocal leader, and it it always came back to, you know, well, Mike Daniels should be that guy, but it's just, I, I don't hear anything from him anymore. The other very strange thing is the fact that he was basically on a pitch count, and the only thing I could compare it to was, was Josh Jones, where he seemed to be the next man up, he seemed to be the number two next to HaHa ha Clinton Dix, but he wasn't. Pet- Mike Pettin just wasn't giving him any playing time. That's kind of how it was for Mike Daniels. If you look at even in week one for the snap counts, Muhammad Wilkerson was always ahead of Mike Daniels, and I found that weird because Mike Daniels is a better football player. 
and there was an article, and I, I don't know for sure that I commented on it, but I feel like I did. And I'm just going to call myself out on something that I don't know that I even did. But there was an article by Tom Silverstein that came out, um, reg- something to do with, you know, if you look at the defensive line and, you know, just kind of compare the height, weight, length, or whatever, there's a certain Mike Pettin prototype, and it's really tall, you know, six four, six five, six six guys with long arms. And the one guy that stands out is Mike Daniels because he's only six feet tall. And I, I, again, I don't know for sure that I commented on it, but I feel like I did. And even if I didn't, I feel like the, the answer I would have given is so what? Because what I've also always heard is it's not about the height, weight, size, all that kind of... It may be initially, but if you've proven that you can do it, what does it matter? Now, there, there may be other things that are going on, right? Mike Daniels is doing great as far as getting pressure, but there's, there's more to being a defensive lineman than that. And maybe it is the whole two-gapping thing. You've got to be able to hold the point of attack. You've got to be able to do this or that or the other. And maybe he wasn't able to do it. We saw the run defense was not where it needed to be. Not trying to put that all in Mike Daniels' head, but, you know, maybe getting pressure at 12.5-13% isn't exactly all that Mike Pettin is looking for, and that's really all Mike Daniels could do. But seeing Muhammad Wilkerson getting 43 snaps and Mike Daniels only getting 33, I mean, Reggie Gilbert had 37 snaps. Mike Daniels just wasn't playing as much. You know, Kenny Clark had 54. I figure if Kenny Clark's getting 54, Mike Daniels is getting like 45 or something, basically what Muhammad Wilkerson got. But no, he just didn't. And that was the case all year long. Well, not all year, but it just, depending on the game, sometimes he was a little bit higher. But I mean, even in week four, after Muhammad Wilkerson went out, Dean Lowry had 36 snaps, Mike Daniels had 35. That's just goofy to me. No disrespect to Dean Lowry. I like Dean Lowry, but it just, how? How does that happen? So that's sort of number one, where I I just feel like if it's me, Mike Daniels and Kenny Clark are out there as often as is possible. Everybody else is just there to kind of get Mike Daniels or Kenny Clark a breather. And if Mike Daniels needs a couple other breathers because he's getting older, that's fine. But putting him out there for 33 snaps while Muhammad Wilkerson, who's not as good as Mike Daniels, at least as far as being a pass rusher, is out there getting 40-some snaps before he gets injured, I don't get that. Other than Mike Pettin's looking for a certain prototype, and he's real serious about that. And, we, and you know, look, look how serious the Packers have been about getting that certain prototype. I mentioned after we went out and got Zadarius Smith who is very different than the kind of edge guys that we were used to. After we got Preston Smith, who is that same kind of prototype, I said, you know what, a Rashawn Gary type actually kind of makes, I mean, right after we signed him, I said, Rashawn Gary is in play. He, he might actually be somebody the Packers are looking at, as weird as it sounds, because everybody we're signing kind of looks a little bit more like a 4-3 defensive end to me. The, the Nick Perry types, right, the bigger, heavier, you know, not the smaller, speedier outside linebacker types that, that you know, Dom Capers was was looking for. You know, you got the smaller, skinnier guy, and then you got your strong side, Nick Perry. No, he's just looking for beef up front, man. And I think the same is true with the interior. As, as much as I don't really understand it, I do think that was a factor, and I think it was a factor from day one. Mike Pettin came in and said, I don't really care who you are. I'm looking for a certain kind of player, and we're going to play you that certain kind of way. Now, again, I'm, I'm not saying that's the entire reason. I'm just saying that's point number one. And I'll get point number two out of the way right away because I, I don't want to necessarily reference this too much. But though it's so funny because there's these tiny little things that stick out that I, I just I never really put the pieces together. And again, I don't know how many of these things actually factor in or are true or are relevant, 
But it's like all these little things that have happened just all of a sudden kind of came together. Like, you know, little beads on a, on a, you know, like the little water beads or whatever kind of magnetized toward each other and then all of a sudden occasionally get sucked together and it becomes this big giant water drop. I don't know why that's what comes to mind when I think of it, but it's like, oh, all of a sudden they all kind of come together like that. All right, magnets. I don't care. But there was the Tyler Dunn article. Again, I don't think the majority of that is relevant or true, but there was a very weird, just sort of, I, I remember it stood out because it was so random. And it was so random because the whole thing is just vitriol and, and just unnecessary anger. And one of the things is just this random hit piece on Mike Dan. And it wasn't even a piece, it was just a sentence. But he was talking about BJ Raji. And then out of nowhere, he says, Thompson lowballed Raji, choosing instead to pay big money to fire-breathing defensive tackle Mike Daniels, which is kind of, I mean, I guess it's kind of good right there, but the next sentence says, when Daniels, while Daniels has been hell-bent on trashing Green Bay's soft label, one teammate says, guys are turned off by his hypocritical leadership. And that's it, and then he moves on. Just a drive-by punch in the mouth. And at the time, it's just like, dude, Tyler, you know what? Go stick it. But at the same time, it's like, is this, is it real? And, and the more you think about it, it's like, we like Mike Daniels in that kind of attitude. And I've been wanting that kind of attitude. But how many times do you hear other Packers talk about Mike Daniels in a positive way? And again, I'm not not saying I know anything. I'm, I'm just saying, what do I have to go off of? When have I ever heard anything that would say, no, that's not true because... You know, Kenny Clark talking about Mike Daniels, or Clay Matthews talking about Mike Daniels, or Nick Perry talking about Mike Daniels, about how we love his energy and we love his leadership and all that kind of stuff. I mean, when has he ever actually been a leader? I just assumed he was a leader because he acted like one. He talked a lot. I mean, leaders typically are the vocal ones, right? So I assumed people were listening. I assumed people liked him, but I, I, I cannot think back to a time when somebody referenced him and said he's a leader. I, I know Julius Peppers was. He comes in and all of a sudden, boom, Julius is a guy everybody looks up to. But I can't think of a time when people said Mike Daniels was that guy. Maybe this is to any... I mean, listen, Mike Daniels definitely had no problem being a us-against-the-world kind of guy, and I could definitely see him being a, a me-against-the-world kind of guy. I could see him calling people out in the locker room, saying, you guys are soft, you guys need to be tough, you know. Because he said it, and if you think about it, who was he referencing? Right, I'm, I'm tired of being soft and, and, you know, let's be the bad guys for once. He's talking to a soft defense about you guys need to toughen up is essentially what it is. And as much as I think it's necessary because it was true, and I hope it is changing, maybe it was just the way Mike Daniels presented it that people are like, you know what, dude? Get out of my face. How about that? And we know, again, Gutekunst's super protective of the locker room. And, and the only reason I'm kind of going out to the, the outskirts is I, th I feel like there's just more to this. Yes, we're saving money. And if we sign Kenny Clark in the next, you know, however long, you know, sometimes at the start of training, you know, with Aaron Rodgers, right, the, the big contract, you know, that was at the end of August. Maybe that's coming for Kenny Clark. So maybe none of this is necessary. I'm just saying it kind of felt like there was other stuff. So I want to kind of look at maybe some of the other stuff. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, 
and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Now, here is sort of the the counterpoint to the quote-unquote other stuff. There have been a lot of people who have chirped up, just, I don't, I don't know, because some people like to, I don't know. But they're all upset that they waited until now to cut him. And to be fair, if the point is, well, Mike Pettin doesn't like him, and Gutekunst doesn't like him, and nobody in the locker room likes him, then if that is the driving factor, and you know that he's not going to be on the team, yes, you should have done this sooner. But here would be my question to those people who are saying that this needed to be done sooner. Because I don't really understand that mentality. I mean, I, I get that it would be nice, but what if you don't know? Are you really saying that if you have factors that need to be weighed too bad, you don't have time, you have to cut them? And what if you decide not to cut them? There we go. This is my alarm. Fi- finally! How long has it been here? We got some journey alarm clock going on. Finally worked. But what if, what if you decide, you know what? We're not going to cut them. I think we're going to keep them. And then new information comes. Do you have to say, well, we got to keep them? We got to find it. It's just nonsense. And the assumption that the Packers knew, well, you knew this whole time you were going to cut them. How dare you? Come on. Get, well, why would they? No team wants to sit on a guy like that. I mean, they had an opportunity to sign more people. Wouldn't the Packers want to move on from Mike Daniels so they can fill an extra roster spot so they can utilize that money if and when and how they wanted to? It's no benefit to the Packers to keep Mike Daniels on the roster for a period of time and cut him just as he shows up to Green Bay. I think it's actually plainly obvious that there were factors that went into this. Number one, how about a Dean Lowry extension? The day before we cut Mike Daniels, we're going to act like that doesn't have any impact? I mean, considering I said the day we signed Dean Lowry, this doesn't look good for Mike Daniels, I would say it's fair to assume that kind of has some kind of an impact. Not because I said it, but because there obviously is a logical process here that leads to this not being a great situation for Mike Daniels. And it wasn't. I think the Dean Lowry contract was was something that wasn't 100%. Once it became 100%, it became obvious that it was time to move on from Mike Daniels. Now, again, maybe there's more factors because it's not impossible that you sign Dean Lowry and keep Mike Daniels. I mean, we could talk about, well, look at all the extra cap space. Extra cap space doesn't mean anything. I mean, if you're not going to do anything with it, what is the point? Nobody cuts a guy as talented as Mike Daniels just to have $8 million just laying there. I don't know. I just want to look at it. Mark Murphy took that $8 million, cashed it out of the bank, and just threw, stacked it in his office so he can stare at it. No, there are factors. And by the way, the other thing that went on yesterday was conditioning. 
Mike Daniels is getting a little bit older. It's possible there was something going on. Here's a third factor. The Packers were trying to trade him because, duh, I don't need a source to tell me that. You don't just cut a guy for the sake of cutting a guy if you can trade him and get something for him. They're getting nothing for him. So if you're trying to trade him and can't trade him, are you telling me that you're not allowed to try to trade him? Because we, we, we were supposed to cut him two months ago. Well, I'm trying to get a trade. No, 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 no. Don't. Nope. Time's up. You got to trade him because it's not nice to, to wait any longer. Okay, but I've got a couple people that are interested in possibly doing a deal. Can I get a little more time on? Nope, nope, morality police. Sorry. You know what? Get out of my face. I know it's not nice. I know it's it's probably hurt. Every single time everybody gets cut, it's hurtful. I mean, you got GMs that have, have gone face-to-face with people and cut them, especially at, at exactly these kinds of times, getting all high and mighty because they're not a GM anymore. This is never acceptable. Yes, it is. It absolutely is. If I'm still trying to make a decision on how to handle this, and the, the, the date that I decide that this is definitely going to happen is this date, and I decide to cut them, I'm going to do it. As soon as I have the information to take an action, we're going to take that action. All the information was given to me on this date, this is the date we're going to be moving forward. Get out of my face with your high and mighty garbage. Unless you can demonstrate to me, which you can't because it's not how it happened, But unless you can demonstrate to me that they knew two, three months ago that they were going to cut Mike Daniels, and they're like, you know what, why don't we just wait? Let's not have the money. Let's not have the open roster spot. Let's let Mike keep training for being a Green Bay Packer. Let's let him fly out to Green Bay, bring his whole family in, so I can look him in his face and tell him he's off the team, because that's how I want to handle this. I just want this to be the worst possible scenario for us, but especially for him. Anybody that thinks that that's what happened is a dummy. Plain and simple. That's dumb. That's that's mental trauma, brain damage level dumb. That's not what happened. So really it just comes down to why. Because if, let's say the conditioning wasn't an issue, and Dean Lowry may have been somewhat of a factor, but it's not impossible. I, I saw somebody else on Twitter say something to the effect of, if you can't figure out how to keep Mike Daniels on your salary cap, then you're terrible at your job. Well, I'm pretty sure that's not the issue because there's a very simple way to not cut him or find a way to, to keep him on the, uh, the roster as far as how to make the salary cap work. It's called just don't cut him. He was already on the team. There was no salary cap issue. So the question is, why are you doing this? And it's really just one of two things. Number one, we decided he's gone. Like, we, we just don't want him on the team this year. Whether it's the physical, the locker room, um, the, the, the amount of money we're paying for a guy that's basically going to be sitting on the bench because he's not my guy, and I prefer Dean, and I prefer Kingsley, and I prefer Montrevious, and I prefer Kenny Clark, and I just like all these other guys better. Oh, and Zadarius is going to be playing inside a lot. It's either that, or we need the money. And by the way, this is not... We're going to cut him because maybe somebody will become available on the open market. If this has something to do with signing another player, which I doubt, because you don't cut Pro Bowl level players so that you can sign some second-rate free agent linebacker that's been sitting out there on the market for months that nobody wants. That's not how this works. And no, I'm very sorry, This we did not do this to sign Melvin Gordon. And if we do sign Melvin Gordon, I'm going to suddenly become extremely skeptical of Brian Gutekunst and his, his ability to uh, be a GM, because I don't really get that. I mean, again, there, there, there is a universe in which that happens, which essentially comes back to, we're cutting him either way, we've got a pile of money, 
why don't we take a run at Melvin Gordon? Which is as much as I want to sit here and say that would just be the dumbest thing ever. Again, there there is a universe given, you know, depending on what information the Green Bay Packers have, primarily number one being we really don't trust Aaron Jones to stay healthy. He's he's had, I think, what, three three knee injuries in two years? Has never played a full season. You know, maybe they just did their physical and it's he's not looking good. I you know, whatever. If that's the case, then then maybe, but even so I think generally you just don't want to spend that much money on a running back. I, I, I don't know. I, again, I, I'm not going to put 0% on it. And if they do do it, I don't think in any universe you specifically cut my, like, where can we get the money from? Well, if you're going to do that, cut Jimmy Graham. If it's just about we've got this old guy that isn't producing that we want to save a bunch of money, Jimmy Graham goes first before Mike Daniels, which is why I say there's more to this than just money. But at the end of the day, I, I think it, it may be a lot of different things. You know he's not in your long-term plans, which you know that's not own, not just it. Because again, Tremont Williams, uh, Mercedes Lewis, Jimmy Graham, these are not long-term solutions. And especially in the case of Tremont, he, I mean, he's there's other players that you know can step up and replace him and probably will anyway. So it's similar to Mike Daniels in that regard. So why is Tremont still here? Well, the, the, there's other factors, obviously. And, and Tremont may not be here for, for long, I don't know. One of the major factors and one of the major differences is what? Well, you've got um, Jair, Josh Jackson, Kevin King, none of which are coming up on big contracts. Kevin King may not even be getting a second contract with the Packers. Whereas the defensive line has Dean Lowry just got an extension and Kenny Clark is going to be getting a very, very, very large check pretty soon. So that would be a major difference. But um, no, I mean, look, the bottom line is I, we sh- it's twofold. It's true, I believe, that the Packers are worse as a defense without Mike Daniels because he's a good football player. That's not really a question. However, I, I think the defense is going in a different direction, and we have to, in a sense, embrace it. We've gone out and gotten a ton of players, and either we're going to embrace the, the new de- defense that has the Zadariuses and the Prestons and the Garys and you know the the Kingsleys, basically these outside inside guys that get rotated all around, and they're different pieces, and you know this this scheme is going to work, and we're going to embrace it, and it's going to be great, or you know we try to stick to what we were doing, and we get all upset that that Mike Daniels isn't around, and you know I, I think we just got to embrace the change. It's hard, but you know I also think it's necessary. And by the way, one other final point on this. This is the consequence of free agency if you're going to have a good GM running things. The consequence of, hey, let's go out and spend a bunch of money is, hey, we can't afford everybody that we already have. You start losing guys like Mike Daniels, right? Mike Daniels and his contract is not an issue if we don't sign Adrian Amos and Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith. We got so much money, we can sign them twice just for fun. I mean, this is it. I mean, this is... We go out and go heavy in free agency because the defense isn't right. And a consequence of that is the guys that are on the not right defense that are costing a lot of money but not giving me what exactly I need, they're going to go. So we've, we've got to take the good with the bad on this. Um, the, the biggest question, I guess, at this point is where is Mike Daniels going to go? I just, with Mike Daniels being the way that he is, being as aggressive and being as, as just vicious as as he tends to be. He's definitely a chip-on-the-shoulder kind of guy. I wouldn't be surprised if he took the Brett Favre route. Brett Favre was pretty, you know, after he went and played for the Jets, he, 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 he had a quote 
that essentially was, I wanted to play anybody that was going to play the Packers because he wanted to come back and he wanted to beat the Packers. And to this day, I'm still angry that he felt that way. I've, I've, I've reconciled with Brett Favre in my mind, but that still upsets me. Like, I, I just, I want badly to just beat the Packers. And, and although it wasn't on his mind necessarily, he wanted to beat the Packer fans as well. He wanted to Packer fans to sit in the stands and watch the team that he played for, watch, the, you know, he, he wanted to crush us. And the fact that he comes out and says it vocally and, and so gleefully, like, dude, what the heck? <laughs> thought we were friends. So, it's, if I had to guess, he's going to want to play somebody that's going to play the Packers this year, probably especially if it's going to be, you know, Bears, Vikings, Lions, because then he gets the opportunity to beat up on the Packers a lot. But either way, somebody that we're going to play this year, and then secondarily, apparently, he wants to play for a team that has uh, the potential to be a Super Bowl champion. He, you know, I mean, obviously. I mean, he's getting kind of late in his career. I'm sure he wants to get another paycheck and get some money, which is great, and I hope he does, and I'm sure he will. But he wants to get that Super Bowl ring, man. And apparently the Patriots, the Browns, and the Chiefs were talking to the Packers about a trade. And I, I don't exactly understand what happened if it just fell through. And again, if there's something urgent, you know, maybe it has something to do with, you know, either a, a failed physical or... Uh, a Kenny Clark thing is coming up very, very soon. But, I mean, if, if you're on the cusp of a trade, d don't cut him. The only thing I can think is it all fell through. But the Patriots, the Browns, and the Chiefs were apparently in talks with the uh, the Packers about a trade. It, it, supposedly there are seven teams. Those are the three that I could find that were interested in trying to get a trade. And all three technically could be considered uh, Super Bowl contenders. Obviously, the Chiefs and the Patriots are more likely. Then, if you look at it, and break it down even further, the one team that stands out definitively is the Kansas City Chiefs. Number one, because they are a contender. It's actually relatively similar to the Packers in that they've got still that great quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. He's got a great young defensive tackle. When I did my under 25, who were the two defensive tackles? Kenny Clark and Chris Jones. He would be moving from Kenny Clark to Chris Jones which, you know, PFF had them right next to each other. Kenny Clark had a 90.5 grade. Chris Jones had a 90.6 grade. The icing on the cake for Mike Daniels is that the Packers will be playing the Chiefs almost three months to the day. So it, it seems to be a perfect fit if the Chiefs genuinely are interested. As of right now, apparently the Chiefs have about $25 million in cap space. They need a lot of help along the defense. They went out and signed one of the best premium young pass rushers um, from the Seattle Seahawks, so they've got a great edge rusher, one of the best young, talented defensive tackles, one of the best defensive tackles in the game. You add Mike Daniels to that, that's a very, very scary defensive front. On a team that has probably the best offense in the NFL that needs a lot of help on defense, Mike Daniels would be a pretty big help, especially to this group that's, I mean, pass rush is what they do. And it would kind of work. I mean, they, they've got uh, Derek Nadi, who's a younger guy. So, you know, the, the price would have to be right because I don't think, you know, at 30 years old, and he's going to be a rotational guy, right? They've got other young guys that are kind of ascending, but none of which are super good pass rushers, and Mike Daniels is a pretty good pass rusher. So I, I, I don't know. We'll see where he ends up. Obviously, if he goes to Chicago, that's worst-case scenario because it's going to add to that defense, right? Akeem Hicks is a talented guy. Then you're going to have Mike Daniels next to Akeem Hicks. Obviously, you're going to have Khalil Mack. The, the biggest problem for the Bears and the Vikings is a lack of money. Plus, I mean, I mean, the, the, the Bears just don't need it. I mean, they, they've got $16 million in cap space. If they want to do it, they can make a, a, a pass at them. 
just doesn't seem like that would be the most necessary thing to do. But, I mean, look, as far as free agents go, there's not a lot out there that's really appealing. Mike Daniels sticks out like a sore thumb. You got a bunch of guys that's just like, yeah, I'm not so sure. And then you've got Mike Daniels. It's a big deal, man. It's a big deal. And again, it, it, it points back to there's got to be something. Because you just, you just don't cut a guy like that. I mean, maybe you don't re-sign him, but I don't think you cut him. But again, that, that is assuming that you're not going to be... So it, I, I, think, uh, I think Kenny's got a contract coming. It, it's, it's just, it's got to be, right? Because we know the Packers don't like investing too much money in one position, which is what I said yesterday, which is why I said, Mike, it's not looking great for him. Right, it was it was the Devontae Adams getting a massive contract was the kiss of death for Jordy Nelson, according to Mark Murphy. As soon as he got that contract, it became clear that we don't want to, you know, it's it's too much money for one position. And may, maybe Dean Lowry put it over the edge, but I doubt it. I, I just think they're they're going to push forward, and and they feel like there's a real good chance that there's a Kenny Clark extension coming, and hopefully we get that done. And you know, Kenny Clark has been getting better every year. If he takes another step, which there's not much room to take a step, but uh, if he takes another step, he's got potential of being, I won't say the best, but, you know, top three defensive tackle. But anyways, this this is it, man. The You know, the, the Packers, and, and you know, when Brian Gutekunst took over and Mike Pettin came in, um, they, they had a vision, and they see a common vision for what the defense is going to be. And to be completely honest, we, we may need to expect this a little bit for the offense. Obviously, there are, there are key players, but I think the offensive line especially is, is you can expect them to be revamped. Obviously, David Bakhtiari isn't going anywhere, but outside of that, I don't know that I can say definitively that there's anybody that's irreplaceable. Even Corey Lindsley, as good as he is, his contract's coming up in 2020. I mean, that that's the final year of his contract. Not saying you cut him, necessarily, especially at, at 20... Uh, well, he will be 29 when he's 27 now, he'll be 28 this year, he'll be 29 next year. But, you know, a, a more long-term decision, you know, Corey Lindsley, when he came in, and I'm not saying he has no athleticism, but he was he's a power guy, which maybe that's okay, but you're looking for more athletic guys. I'm, I'm just saying. You know, Matt LaFleur also has a vision for the offense, and Brian Gutekunst is going to sync his, his vision with, with uh, Matt LaFleur the same way he did with Mike Patton. You know, we got to see what that means. We know Devontae's going to stick around. We know Aaron Rodgers is going to be here, at least for some time. We know Bakhtiari is going to be here. Um, running back, offensive line, the rest of the wide receivers, the tight ends, it's kind of up in the air. But, uh, you know, we got to embrace the uh, the process here, and we have to trust. I mean, we don't have to, but it's it's really all we've got because they're, they're going in, and, and they should, right? You don't bring a guy like Mike Pettin in and say, look, I don't really want to change things up too much. I know you've got a vision and you've got certain people that fit your scheme. I'd rather you just change your scheme to fit what Dom Capers had. It's not how that works, and it's not how it works on offense either. Matt LaFleur has a wildly different offense. We want a wildly different offense, and sometimes part of that process means we need different players. And if that means finding a younger, cheaper, better fit at center than Corey Lindsley, maybe that's what needs to happen. And I'm, I'm not... I'm just giving a, a, an ex- the only example I could come up with that parallels Mike Daniels. Not saying it's going to happen. I'm just, you know, I'm just saying these are the kinds of things you need to expect. When, when you ask for change, you get change, but you can't complain about change when you ask for it and get it. As much as it hurts to see Mike Daniels go and it's going to hurt to watch him play for another team and he's going to be very good and he's probably going to be very good against us. You could almost say I would be surprised if he doesn't at least have one sack in his career against Aaron Rodgers. But anyways, en- enough of that. Um... Because today is, is, it needs to be about 
positive stuff. Um, there were some interviews. I didn't really get into that. You know, Brian Gutekunst obviously talked a lot about uh, Mike Daniels. Maybe we can bring in a little bit more context to those interviews tomorrow, depending on how much news there is. Hopefully it's it's good news, not bad news. Don't want to hear any more about injuries. Um, and I, I mean, it's just get excited, man. I think it's, what is it, 1030, something like that? We're going to be seeing the, the live updates on Twitter and everything else. You're going to be seeing pictures roll in of guys playing. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's going to be frustrating because you're going to be waiting. It's going to be, you know, okay, it's 1030, where are they? And they're out there doing stretches, and it won't be until 11, and some guys aren't even going to be on the field. You know, I don't know. But stuff's going to happen today. It's going to be very, very exciting. And it's going to be good. I mean, uh, and, and, you know, one of the things Brian Gutekunst did say in his his, uh, press conference is, you know, he expects to bring the roster back up to 90, and he expects it to be done by today. So anybody holding out for the Melvin Gordons or anything super crazy, um, don't expect that, but if it happens, it'll happen relatively soon. But no, it'll probably be somebody that we don't know very well, and uh, he'll come in, maybe make the practice squad, and probably get cut sometime in like October from the practice squad. <laughs> but anyways, I you know, again, not what I was hoping to talk about today, but uh, got to talk about it because it happened. But it's all good stuff from here on out. We got Green Bay Packers football. The team's going to start to come together. We're going to see how it starts to come together. Um, we're going to start learning quite a bit about this team, and it's it's exciting. So anyways, you folks, enjoy your Thursday. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.